We have a great uh, opportunity today to hear uh, the message of Jesus Christ, and Tunch Ilkin is going to host that for us this morning. Uh, Tunch has been at the Bible Chapel longer than I have. He came back in 1987, and for the last 17 years, he has either been teaching our youth or has been leading our men's ministry. Before that, uh, Tunch played in the NFL for 14 years, 13 as a Steeler, an all-pro captain of the Steelers, and now is on the uh, Pittsburgh uh, uh, radio station announcing uh, the games. Now, every year, Tunch chooses someone to come and speak. And a lot of times, uh, he chooses a lineman, and we always say, please bring an athlete, uh, Tunch. <clears throat> Not a lineman. So this year... <laughs> it worked this year. <laughs> so this year, Tunch secured an athlete, and not just an athlete from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but an athlete who played, say it with me, for the University of Oklahoma. Nice. And so, you guys, I know you've been wanting to do this for a long time. When I say boomer, you say sooner. Libby Johnson's going to lead right back there in the back. Oh, you grad, you ready? Let's try it. We'll go, we'll go through this a few times because I know you guys have been <laughs> wanting to do this for a long time. I have for sure. You ready? Boomer. Senior. Boomer. Senior. Boomer. Senior. Not bad. Let's do this that one more time. You ready? Okay, here we go. Boomer. Senior. Boomer. Senior. Boomer. Senior. Very good. Very good. Tunch, all yours. <laughs> So, um, just since, since 1989, we, there have been uh, some great Steelers here uh, have come and shared with us. I, I just want to say this. Um, you know, I've known, Ron and I have been buddies since 1989. And, uh, and, you know, he's seen all these. I mean, he has seen Super Bowl MVPs. He's seen Hall of Famers. Uh, Mike Webster, Hall of Famer, used to be a member of this church uh, back in, in the 80s. We've had Mel Blunt and, and on and on and on. And, and you know, it's with the Journey Ministry and he has syndicated uh, throughout the world. So he has had an opportunity to interview some of the great ministry heads uh, in the world. I mean, I saw him interview Franklin Graham. And I have never seen him starstruck ever in my life. As a matter of fact, when he was interviewing Franklin Graham, and I was off to the side, I was going, he's interviewing Franklin Graham. And, uh, uh, but I saw something yesterday that I have never seen before. I watched Ron turn into a puddle uh, in the presence of Landry Jones. Now, you got to understand, Landry Jones uh, uh, rewrote all the passing records at Oklahoma University. Four-year starter, great player, third-round draft pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers, on his way to being a great quarterback. So yesterday, when Landry came in, Landry and his wife, Whitney, were, came in, and they were standing in the hallway. You, I, here comes Ron. And he stood, I wasn't sure if it was Beaver Cleaver uh, or Opie Taylor. Uh, I thought he was going to pull out the pom-poms and start doing Boomer Sooner on the spot. But not only was he starstruck, not only was he in awe, but after he asked for the autographs, he got a jersey autograph. This is how, how out of it he was. He got the wrong side of the jersey autographed. Not the side with the name uh, Jones on the back. He had the front. So he, so he had to come back today to get it autographed again. 
Uh, so anyways, we, uh, we're very, very fortunate uh, to have Landry Jones. Before I bring him up and uh, we start uh, our time together, we have a, a short uh, uh, video highlight film of, of Landy from this year. It's really fun to watch. Let's take a look. And by the way, you, you, you saw the great arm. You saw the, uh, the pocket presence. You saw the beautiful spirals, right? Y'all saw that, right? The, the great catches, the great throws. Well, let me tell you something. The reason he was able to do that was the offensive linemen that Ron was just dissing. <laughs> That were, uh, that were in front of him. Uh, so anyways, I'm really excited to bring Landry up here. Not only uh, did he really come into his own this year, uh, he is on his way uh, to becoming, I believe, a, a great NFL quarterback. But more importantly, uh, this is a great young man of God. So please welcome my buddy, Landry Jones. Well, well, all right. Uh, so, you know, I know you were a little taken back by Ron yesterday. When uh, uh, have you, do you get that kind of uh, uh, you know response from people? Not, not usually like that. Ron's <laughs> one of a kind, for sure. So, when was the last time you did Boomer Sooner in a church? Oh man, uh, probably like three or four years ago. Really? It's it's pretty. It's a common thing in in, in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it, pretty common. Is it kind of like uh, uh, Roll Tide in Alabama? Yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, because that song is uh, um, is is really good. So we're watching these highlights and great highlights, by the way. And great year it was really fun watching you develop uh, into this uh, confident, poised quarterback with uh, with a great arm. So as you're watching that, what's going through your head? What's it like for you to watch yourself throw touchdown passes? Oh, that's great. You yeah. always love watching the highlights. You don't want to watch any of the bad plays, right. but yeah, those were all good ones right there. You pick some winners. Yeah. You know, well, uh, we used to have a saying, don't get on someone else's highlight film. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you no. don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, when you look at the success that you had this year and the way, uh, the way you were able to um, play and, and just the kind of the steps that you take, and everyone, it's a growth process going yeah. through the NFL. Um, do, do you ever kind of go, wow, that is me, and, and have to pinch yourself to say, man, this is, this is really cool? Oh, for sure. I mean, you get to play. I mean, my job is I get to play a, a childhood game for right. Like my living, you know, yeah. and so it's, it's really cool. It's fun to be a part of the Steelers. Um, it's great being in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's an awesome job. I love it. I'm going to do it as long as I can. So what does it feel like? Because I've never experienced this. Uh, yeah, no, no, I've, never, I've never thrown the ball. The closest <laughs> I came to throwing the ball was when I used to play center in college. Uh, and, and that was a very, very short distance. What is it like? What is it like throwing a touchdown pass? Oh, man, there's not a whole lot of things like it in the world. Um, you know, that, that one to Martavis was the first one I ever threw in the NFL in a live game. And, man, it was awesome. It was, it was unbelievable. Did you get the game? You know, when, when you do something great happens, when you're given a game ball or you throw a touchdown pass or you come up with an interception, sometimes you get those balls painted up. Did you get it painted oh, up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, it's at the house right yeah? now. Is yeah, in a prominent play of display, <laughs> yeah. first position display. It's the first thing you walk into the living room, it's hanging it's right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what is it like playing quarterback in the NFL? Oh, it's great. I mean, like, like I said, I'm living out my childhood dream, uh -huh. really. I remember when I was uh, six years old, 
And you know those, those things that teachers do where they're like, what do you want to be whenever you grow up? And I remember vividly writing it on a piece of paper. I want to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah. And so now I get to live it out. It's pretty sweet. Um, what's the best thing about playing quarterback as opposed to any other position? What's the best thing about being a quarterback? I mean, you're in control of everything in the game. You get the ball every play. You get to make decisions. Um, there's a lot of good things that come along with it. There's also some bad things whenever you do make terrible decisions and you lose a game for a team. But um, there's also that ultimate high and ultimate lows about it. Now, what is the worst thing about playing quarterback? What do you hate about it? Losing games. Losing games. And throwing interceptions. <laughs> but there's also like a ton of correlation between, I think, football and playing quarterback in life. So I've learned a lot like about myself while playing this game. Now, are you a guy that reads the papers and listens to the stinking media? I listen to you all the time, Tunch. <laughs> Make sure I tune into the show. Make sure you're not saying anything well, bad about big, me. We're big Landry Jones fans on our radio show. Um, but I mean, seriously, do you, do you, um, uh, uh, do you pay attention? Or uh, I, I think it's a little different. In my day, there was just, you know, there was the papers and, and, and there was the radio, you know, radio and television. But, you know, not social media. And, and today, the, the scrutiny and the platform for everyone to have an opinion uh, it's crazy. So yeah, do, you, I mean, do you try to... No, I don't do any of the social media stuff. Uh -huh. I don't know. It's just not not worth it to me. Even whenever I play good, I mean, what are they going to say? Hey, Landry Jones had a good game, but whenever you play bad, they kind of they kind of crucify you a little bit. Right. You can, you can shake your confidence a touch. Yeah, you, you know, we used to have... A, our old head coach, Chuck Noll, used to say, treat uh, the media like mushrooms. Uh, keep them in the dark and feed them manure. And, uh, and yeah, That's yeah. a pretty good policy, yeah, I yeah. think. And, and so, you know, I'm going to start doing that to you. Yeah, I think so. As a member of the media, I, I, you know, I fall right into that. Uh, uh, but he also used to say, don't listen to what they say. You know, just basically, you know, uh, uh, tune them out. So we got the Super Bowl. Now, I know you wish you were there, and, you know, we all wish you were there uh, today. Um, who are you picking? I'm going to go with the Broncos. Broncos. Yeah. I'm going to go with... Peyton Manning's last game, maybe if he, he wins the Super Bowl, I want to see him uh, ride off into the sunset like, like the way he should. So just out of curiosity, we heard, we heard some Broncos. Uh, if you're cheering for the Broncos today, let's, let's hear it. And uh, if, if you're cheering for the Carolina Panthers, let's hear it. Yeah, a little different than last night. And, and you had a great question. You asked a question yeah, that you asked I, last night. Uh, I asked uh, who all is still in mourning about the Steelers not being in the Super Bowl. So. Oh, man. We're all, we're all recovering here. It's, yeah. it's going to be okay, guys. Yeah, you know. So um, you, uh, you've always been an athlete, always been a quarterback. Uh, you grew up in a small town in, in, in New Mexico. What was that like? Yeah, I, I grew up in a town of uh, 12,000 people in Artesia, New Mexico. Um, I don't know if anybody's... Has anybody ever heard of Artesia? <laughs> right back there. I see you guys. I appreciate it. They probably traveled from... They traveled, They heard about me talking. They came up here from Artesia, so it's good to see you again. They uh, are, the, Ar <laughs> the Artesians travel well. Yeah, they travel well. Like uh, yeah, but it's just a small little oil town. Um, and the big thing in, in Artesia is, is football. You know, yeah. we're, we're kind of like that, that show, Friday Night Lights, where the right. town kind of shuts down on, on Friday and everybody goes to the game. 
And so as a, as a kid, I remember me idolizing these guys that, that played football, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted everything that um, came along with it, too. Um, and so just growing up in, in, that type of, in that type of setting, football became uh, almost an idol to me in, a, in an easy way. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents took me to church, great people, but it was all in, in my head. You know, it was just something that, that you did on Sundays. You went to church, but nothing had traveled into my heart, and I hadn't accepted Jesus into my heart yet. When, and, and you told me something the, the other day, and you mentioned it last night, that you were chasing an idol. You were, you were chasing a dream. And so as you, as you grew up in the church, you knew about Jesus, but you really didn't know him. Yeah, I knew about him, but he wasn't my personal savior yet. You know, so I was chasing everything that the world could offer me, especially football, especially all the things that, that come along with football. So that was like, if I was always thinking about, okay, whenever I get to high school, then I'll be fulfilled in life. Whenever I get to high school and become a starting quarterback, then my life will be complete. And that was like the pinnacle in my life. You know, it's kind of funny that uh, uh, Blaise Pascal, uh, uh, the uh, French philosopher and scientist, says that, that there's a God-shaped void in the heart of every man, woman, and child. And it could only be filled by the person of Jesus Christ. It could only be filled by the one that created us. Uh, and, uh, and the reason is God made us that way so we would seek him. And, and, and so many times we seek other things. We, we seek, uh, whether it's financial gain or whether it's athletic stardom or uh, relational uh, uh, comfort we're, we're lo- or drugs, alcohol, you name it, wealth. That's what we try to fill that hole. So much so that I thought one of the most telling interviews I've ever seen was with Tom Brady. And it was on 60 Minutes, and, and uh, uh, after he'd won his third Super Bowl, and he was making a ton of money, and he, just, you know, he had a, a, a supermodel wife, and everything, the, the, the theme of the story was everything about Tom Brady is super. But at the end, the interviewer asked him what it was like, and he said, you know, he goes, it's like there's got to be more than this. You know, he says, it's, it's, it's like there's something out there. And... And I, and I don't know what it is, and, 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 I, and I want it, but, and the interviewer said, well, what is it? I go, I don't know if you know, tell me. And as I'm watching that, I'm going, you know what? He hasn't found fulfillment in, in, in God. He hasn't f- found purpose. And, and I thought it was very telling to think that you could have everything and yet not have contentment. And you were kind of like that. What was, what was that like for you? I mean, in... I didn't, I didn't hit that point until I, until I got to college, you know, high school and, and elementary and, and going through, through all that type of stuff. It was, it was kind of just like success after success after success. You know, I got, I got to high school, won the starting job, um, was popular, everybody liked me. Um, and then I started getting offers from school and I was like, okay, cool, that this is my next thing that I'm, that I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to college, I'm going to start and I'm going to play. Um, and I think for, for all of us in life, it, there will always be that next thing. There will always be that, okay, if I can just earn this much money, then I'll be content. But if you're trying to fill that, can, like that, that God-shaped void with the things of the world, it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It just, it just doesn't fit, and it doesn't fulfill you like Jesus Christ does. And it wasn't until I gave my life to Christ when then I was just like, I can be content in whatever situation, like Paul said, I've learned to be content whether I have a lot or whether I have nothing. And I didn't learn that until I got to college. Um, 
And when everything was kind of like taken away from me, I was no longer the starting quarterback. Um, I was no longer the most popular guy on the team. I was no longer the things that I used to be back in college. And so my whole identity was in things that I could attain for myself instead of it being in Jesus Christ. And then when that was taken away from me, I didn't know who I was. I was searching, um, and nothing could, nothing could fill that void that was inside of me. So I just kind of felt hopeless about my future, hopeless about my situation in college. Um, and I just kind of became numb inside, just kind of like, not depressed, but just like unhappy and, and discontent with my life and how things were going for me. Yeah, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is, so you win two state championships in, in high school, and you get to Oklahoma University, and now there's a, there's a great player, All-American, Sam Bradford, uh, that's playing ahead of you. Now, um, uh, a couple key things happened to you there. Two people had a, the huge infla- impact on your, on your life, uh, and, and one of them is, is your wife, Whitney, who, who is here, uh, and, um, and Whitney was a, a a, a, a great point guard on the Oklahoma Sooners women's basketball team. So I'm going to ask you this. Who's the better athlete? I said this last night, and I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns here. I, 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 I said that I was the better athlete in the family. And, uh, Whitney, did you give him an earful on the way home? Uh, um, but, you know, uh, it, it, let's take it. The, the, the first, first guy that really had an impact on your life uh, was your roommate. Yeah. So my, my roommate was my, my cousin, Jeremy. Um, and, I, and I remember us. He, he didn't really ever share the gospel with me or anything like that. But um, in August of 2008, he, he became my roommate in that, that whole uh, fall semester. We were just kind of doing our thing, going, going through life. And then I remember we were at... Uh, in a hotel room, uh, I think we're at my sister's wedding, and he was just talking to me. I could tell he was kind of going through similar stuff that I was, um, and he just asked me a question, do I ever feel like I'm living life without a purpose? And everything from my childhood about going to church, about having a relationship with God, and how that should be like the center and the focus of your life, came flooding back into me, and I remember God telling me that I was his son, and that I was loved, and that um, if I seek him first with all of my heart, that he will be my contentment, and he'll be like my passion in life. And everything in that moment just kind of turned around. My outlook on life changed. Um, the hopelessness that I felt inside of me was filled with hope, and I just felt content and full and uh, ready to take on life whatever circumstance like, was, was thrown at me. And uh, I remember one, I, I, I wish I would have said this last night, but I remember one of the verses that I kind of clung to um, I think it's either John 14:26 or 14:27. It's somewhere around there. Um, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, "I'm leaving you with a gift: peace of mind and peace of heart. And the gift that I leave you is a gift that the world cannot give." And whenever I read that, it just became, it just kind of filled me up, like from my head to my to my toes, where I was just like, "Okay, Jesus Christ is my gift in life, mm. and if I pursue him, he will be my gift, and he'll be my re- reward, and that's really all I need in life. Oh, wow. Wow. So your freshman year, you go through this frustration, yeah. kind of, and you enter into sort of a depression, yeah, you know, and then that summer before your sophomore year, or your redshirt freshman year, depending on how you, how you count it, right, uh, uh, all of a sudden, you have a... a, a, a a, a renewed faith, uh, a desire to follow Christ. And you're also 
have someone else in your life. Uh, you meet a young lady from Fort Worth, uh, Texas. And so talk about uh, uh, your pursuit uh, uh, of uh, your bride, Whitney. Yeah, she made me work for it, you know. It was, it was awesome. We had a great time um, in, in, in OU whenever uh, freshmen's come in, all the, the guys and the girls, um, guys football team, guys basketball team, girls basketball team, all live in the same uh, dorm complex. So we were always together, always hanging out. Um, and so we, I got my, I got my dates lined up now. Uh-huh. Our first date was October 11th. Yeah. I, I, I messed you got up. In trouble last I, night. I butchered it last yeah, night yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, our first date was October 11th. And then what Whitney likes to call a DTR, determine their relationship talk <laughs> was October 13th. And basically the gist of the conversation was that we were basically unevenly yoked. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a Christian yet. Whitney was a solid Christian, loved the Lord and all that stuff. So it just wasn't going to fit. And she just basically said, I'm not going to date you because of the person that you are right now. And oh. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. kind of taken aback. And that next weekend, I, I proved her right. I went out and I drank and got drunk and... It was just like, after that, I was just like, why am, why am I doing this to myself? And I remember I went to bed one night. It was around Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> Thanksgiving, and my date's right? I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. Thanksgiving, That's around enough. Thanksgiving. Yeah, close Around enough. there, close enough, something like that. I say stick with fall. I told you this God, last night, you can't go wrong. I know, I should have listened to you. You're much wiser than me. <laughs> so it was around, around fall time. Uh, and I remember, I, I vividly remember, this was before uh, a Christian, I told, told you this at, at lunch, this was before a Christian, I remember the Lord speaking to me in a dream, and he's like, this is the woman you're going to marry. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go after her. And I remember texting her, and I was like, whatever it takes, whatever, it's, it's going to go down, I'm going to con- continue to pursue you. And lucky enough, uh, in January, uh, we started started dating, and then four years later, got married. Way to go, Whitney. Way to hold out for the godly man. Yeah. Great. Young single women, great, uh, uh, great lesson. Hold out for the man who loves God, and, and young men, uh, you want to make yourself attractive to, to young women. Uh, love Lord. Love the Lord first to keep your act together right. Um, so, so, so all of a sudden, you go from this frustrating freshman year to you give your life to Christ, and it, and it, it doesn't, life doesn't always happen. Like, it's not like you give, the life and all, give your life to Christ, and all of a sudden, great things happen. But in your in the journey that God had, has you on or had you on at that time, that's what happened. Sam Bradford, uh, the all-world quarterback, gets hurt, and then you come in and you have four uh, great years. So talk about that, that growth as you're going through success and you're t- trying to follow Christ and not chasing an idol and following Jesus instead. Yeah, it was, it was just amazing. I mean, for, for those of us that have have uh, decided to believe in Jesus. It's just one of those things that you're just filled with hope in, in all situations, you know. Um, and it, it, it is funny that it's kind of worked out both times. Um, we'll get to this, this part later, but both times when I kind of rededicated my life to Christ, the Lord has like rewarded me in the things that I've been doing. And so trying to be a football player and trying to be a Christian, trying to figure out all this thing, just um, success in life and 
you know, I think in, in America, football is very glamorized and it's like, um, it's, it's, it's definitely an entertainment business, mm-hmm. you know, so trying to navigate that while being a Christian um, can sometimes be tough. And I remember us talking about it um, at lunch was, I mean, in, in subtle ways, football can become an idol without yeah. you even knowing about it. And I, I said this last night and I, I can't remember the reference or the, or the verse, but it talks about how sometimes there can be foxes in, in your den, basically being like there can be little tiny un, unforeseen sins in, in the bottom of your heart that you don't really even realize that are going on. And that's kind of how it happened to me. Slowly but surely, football started to become an idol again in my life um, from playing and stuff. And I remember me being a, being a senior, and I remember my thought, my thought process and my life was consumed about being a first-round draft pick and being going to a team where I can step in and play immediately and be kind of financially secure for the rest of our lives and providing for wit. And my whole life got kind of consumed with that, and the Lord kind of took a back seat there for a while. Yeah, and, it can, and, and, and it's not just football. That can happen to any one of us in, in our chosen professions or in other things that we're trying to, uh, once again, fill that hole. There's a, you talk about heart. Uh, there's a great little, little booklet uh, called My Heart, God's Home, and it talks about preparing your entire life, uh, every room, in uh, the home of your heart for, for Christ. It's a, a tremendous, tremendous quick read. Um, so then you get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, I know you weren't really excited about that at first. I don't know, don't, don't get mad at them, you know, but not everybody wants to come to play for the Steelers. And, and you were a guy that uh, uh, was not really looking forward to coming here. No, I, I, I wasn't looking forward to it because, the, I mean, you got Ben Roethlisberger and I knew I wasn't. I wasn't going to play. Right. I wanted to go to a team where I could step in and, and be the starter and play immediately. Um, you know, but, but thank God he kind of guards us from our prayer requests sometimes right, right. and does the best thing for us. And uh, definitely it has been the best thing for me. You know, um, Just brought me back to a place of being like, okay, if I'm not making the Lord the center of my life, then my life isn't really going anywhere and I'm not doing what he's called me to do and what he's designed me to do in, in a way. Um, and I, I was praying the other day, and I was reading my Bible, and it was interesting. Um, the Lord kind of spoke to me. He said, before a belief can be a belief, it's a thought first. Mm-hmm. And so you either have, like, godly thoughts going through your head that are becoming beliefs in your heart, or you have worldly thoughts going into your head, and they become beliefs into your thought. And most of the time, those worldly thoughts are, are lies from Satan uh-huh. and lies from the enemy. And so for me, the lie that kind of captured me was it's okay to to put football first. It's okay to have this thing an idol in your life because if you do it, then you'll be financially secure. You'll be taking care of your family and you can do a lot of good things with that money. But God says in um, Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek the kingdom first and his righteousness and he'll take care of all your needs. And so that was just like a huge thing that it will get to, like he, like I said, we'll get to that that part later in, in the testimony. But that verse became a huge part of my life and a huge part of, I, I believe, my success right now that I've, I've gone through is that regardless of the circumstance, whether it's good or bad, I'm going to seek the Lord first with all of my heart and, and allow Him to take care of all of our needs. And if you're going through a similar situation in your job or whatever you're doing, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're a, a single mother that works or anything like that, 
the Lord promised to take care of your needs as long as you're seeking his kingdom first. And the Lord is faithful and he never changes in his promise. He will always come through on his promise. You can put him to the test on that. So you come to a team that your dad's not a fan of either because you were named after Tom Landry. Dad's a huge Cowboys fan. Yeah, so uh, um, was there any problems? Did he, was he ready to disown you? Uh, uh, we, we prayed for him, and, and he's, coming, he's coming around now. He's starting to wear Steeler stuff, and he, he's, not, he's not as grudgingly anymore about coming to the games and stuff. Yeah, does he have a terrible towel, though? Yes, he does. Okay. Actually, he's got a whole basket full of them. He sent them to us at Christmas time, wanting me to get them signed. He's kind of like Ron over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my dad and Ron have an have a eBay site set up selling some stuff. <laughs> so, so, you know, you were talking about this, that um, really the, uh, you had a repeat of what happened to you at, at Oklahoma. Same thing here. You came in here discouraged early uh, and, and, and disappointed and almost kind of, what's going on, Lord? How come this isn't working the way I thought it was going to? Yeah, you know, uh, like I said, I, I first became a Christ, uh, Christian in 2009, so I'm still relatively new in my faith so learning how to handle disappointments in in life and there's a ton of scripture about it i know it's either first or second peter where it talks about consider it or uh whenever you go through trials and stuff and and james said consider it an opportunity for pure joy whenever you go through trials um because it can mold you it can it can take away some of the stuff in your life that that you don't need and it kind of refines and sharpens you and so I think during these, these la- or the, the two years um, leading up to this year was kind of refining me, was kind of taking away things in my life that I didn't need in there, you know, and the Lord was showing me a lot of things that I didn't realize was going on in my heart um, just from the circumstance that I, that I was in. And, you know, it was just a really awesome time with the Lord going through these different situations in life and really just starting to learn how to lean back on him and, and learn how to put him first in my life and, and everything that I did. And just having that shift in mindset just changed my whole, like I said, my whole outlook in life on how um, I handle football, how you handle success and, and disappointment. Um, and like I said earlier, whenever I started seeking his kingdom first and putting that as like in the forefront of, of my mind, it really just kind of settled my, my future and my anxiety about um, where I was going to be, whether I was going to be with the Steelers next year, whether I was going to have a paycheck, you know, so it was, it, the, this league and my job is always so up and down or whether they're going to cut you or whether they're going to keep you. Um, and it can, can kind of t- uh, play tricks on your mind, you know, just as far as how you're anxious about the future and stuff. And sure. whenever I like control what I can control is my, my faith in Jesus Christ and making him first in my life. And making sure that I'm loving my teammates, I'm sharing the gospel with them, and I'm making that the, the priority and the sole reason that I'm here. Um, everything else in my future, the Lord will take care of. Amen. So you come into this summer, and I know you and Whitney um, were, uh, before camp, had, had a kind of a, a meeting of, of, of your hearts and your minds and your souls about what this year was going to be like. Why don't you share with us uh, kind of that conversation and where it went from there? Yeah, so like I said, it, it had kind of been building up to this point where football is starting to become an idol in my life, and all, everything that I was caring about was like material things and, and wealth and all that stuff. And um, so I think last, last offseason, before going into camp, leading up to that, me and Whitney were just kind of bickering with each other. Um, there wasn't anything 
crazy going on in our, our marriage or anything like that. We were just kind of always, in a way, annoyed with each other. And we were just like, what's going on? I mean, it's not like we're doing anything. We're just kind of annoyed with each other. Um, and so there, there was a conversation where we were both just like, man, we really need to get back on track and, and, re- and reframe our thoughts and our focus back on Jesus and having him the center of our lives. And we read a book by, by Francis Chan and his wife. Um, they wrote a book. And in the book, basically the gist of it is, is like if, if your marriage is, is struggling, it's not that you need to go take more vacations or you need to spend more time with each other. You need to focus yourself back on the Great Commission that um, Jesus said to his disciples and to go make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I have taught you and baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so whenever we got back to that, all those little like pity or like petty fights that we used to have just kind of went away and we just re- re- reframed our focus back on Jesus and making him the center of our lives again. So you came into camp this year. And you said, all right, man, we're giving up our future to God. And, and that's what we're going to be our focus. And um, coincidentally or not, all of a sudden, you come into camp this year, and you're lighting it up in practice. I remember, you know, we were talking about you on the show, and, man, Landry looks like a different guy, and, he, you know, he's throwing the ball better. He's throwing the ball with more confidence. Uh, and then and the way this year went, talk about what that was like. And, and you, you said an interesting thing, because this game – and life in general, you know, and everyone's got high-pressure jobs, but there is a there is a lot of pressure, and especially uh, in your job, when you make a mistake, everybody knows it, and not only does everybody know it, everybody's going to write about it, and so fear can paralyze you. Talk about how what it was like getting rid of that fear and and just really coming in and and, and playing the way you're capable of this year. Yeah, I mean, for the first two years, I, I was just trying to play so perfect because I was paralyzed by my fear of them cutting me and me not having a job, where it was like affecting my game and affecting my, my whole life. It was like I was walking kind of on eggshells. And in the Bible, it talks about how God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And, and it also says that in Jeremiah 29, 11, it's the famous verse where it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope and a future. Um, and so those, those things kind of started coming back. The more I read and the more I focused my, my heart back on God, those things kind of started coming back to me. And I just kind of developed more confidence in, um, out on the field and just kind of cutting it loose. And I think in life, we can be crippled by fear, but Fear is only as powerful as we let it be, you know. As, as long as we're having our, our thoughts and our focus back on Jesus Christ, he kind of takes care of the fear in our lives because I know, especially for me, reading that verse that he knows the, the plans that he has for me, it just kind of took the pressure off of me. So I was like, okay, well, the Lord already has my plans set out for me. Why don't I just go out there and have fun and kind of cut it loose? So you come in and you play really well and you're growing spiritually. Um, how did, were you different in the locker room? I mean, the locker room's a very interesting place. There is a very interesting, interesting dynamic that happens in the locker room because there's so many different walks of life and personalities and guys who love Christ and guys who the last thing on their mind is, uh, is the Lord. Uh, and so what was the difference in your life in the locker room? I think for me, it just kind of, it kind of kept life simple in a way. It kind of kept it where like, 
I, I could take out a lot of different things in my life and just focus on loving my teammates and, and loving the Lord. Um, and I think um, it was one of those things where I, I became more bold with my faith. I got to pray for a lot of guys this year. Um, I started walking with a, with a couple more guys that were Christians on the team. Um, we have a great chaplain, Chad Johnson, who does a good job with us, has a Bible study for us. So it was just a really fun year getting to like share my faith with the guys and love on them a little bit. Oh, that's very cool. Now, uh, talk about the friendship aspect of, you know, the, the importance of locking arms. I mean, the, 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 what I love about the football experience is that you uh, have this concentrated, intense time with 53 guys, and you, you, you work together, you, you win together, you lose together, you cry together, you, you, you laugh together, and you sweat together. Now, put Jesus at that foundation, and the intimacy is really, really intense. Yeah, I mean, you develop these bonds with these guys just because of life circumstances that you, that you go through. You know, you go through the ultimate highs with them whenever you win, and then you go through the ultimate lows whenever you lose. Um, and there's just that connection with people. And you know, the great thing about it is, like you said, there are guys that are Christians on the team, and then there's guys that don't believe in God. But because of the things that you've gone through, there's, a, there's an open door to the guys who don't believe in God that you, get to, that you get to share your faith with. And because of the things that you've gone through, they're not going to shut you down because they have a respect for you there. They, they love you as a teammate. You know? So that's been a really cool opportunity to get to share with guys that, that don't believe in the Lord just because I'm their teammate and, and they kind of trust me. And I get to just show them, hey, this is, this is who Jesus is. Uh, and if you're interested in them, I could kind of walk these steps out with you and uh, tell you what Christianity is really all about. The beauty of that uh, is that uh, people get an, uh, an opportunity to see Jesus in you. And so I'll shameless plug here. Uh, you know, we've got our men's weekend coming up. And uh, there are a lot of great guys in, in our men's ministry. And we have Bible studies every night. And so if you're a guy out there, or if you're a lady out there, because we have a lot of women's Bible studies and couples studies, and for youth group, junior high and senior, there is something for you. God did not make us to walk through this life alone. God did not make us to seek him by ourselves. So I am inviting you to be part of community. There are, there are so many opportunities to get plugged in. We literally have Bible studies every day in this church. And we have out of our men's weekend coming up on March 4th, 5th, and 6th. If you've never been to a men's retreat, man, you are missing something. You gotta come. It is very, very powerful. God does some very cool stuff. So I'm inviting you all to the men's weekend uh, and to be part of what's going on here from a standpoint uh, of community because you hear how important it is that we would encourage and challenge uh, one another uh, through the tough times and through the celebrations as well. What's your passion in life? Uh, the Lord has been, I, I've been kind of trying to figure that out and uh, trying to figure out what, what life is really all about. And he's kind of been uh, speaking to me and I kind of wanted to keep it simple, but is to see people give their life to Christ and see people walk in the fullness of God. And I think for, for Christians is whenever you turn your life over, it's, that's just the beginning of the journey, right. you know, with the Lord. And I think that's like beginning of it and then seeing people being discipled and walking out their 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 whole life with with the lord you yeah. know go ahead i'm sorry i don't know uh i i think for if there's anybody out there like me tunch is going to share the gospel here here in just a second um whenever we wrap this thing up but if there's anybody out there like me that was just kind of feeling hopeless kind of feeling discontent with my with life and discouraged 
give Jesus Christ a chance to fill you with hope because if you put him to the test, he'll come through every time for you. And I know that for a fact because it happened in my life and it changed me for the better. And, and look, everyone has a spiritual journey and it's really cool to see uh, and, and, and so thankful for Landry and Whitney because the, they've been very, very transparent in sharing their spiritual journey and how God has molded them. And so somebody's out there sitting there thinking, uh, you know, I'm not sure what this whole, what it means to give your life to Christ and, and why do I need to do that? And is it just about fulfillment and purpose? Well, no, uh, it is about spending eternity with the living God. And, uh, and, and you heard it uh, from Landry, uh, when he gave his life to Christ, he was, he was looking for contentment, he was looking for purpose, but I wanna go even further back because God has, has made you and he loves you dearly to the point of not only did he make you do for this world, but he made you for eternity. The Bible tells us that he has set eternity on our hearts. And so we all sit here thinking, well, what happens when we leave this world? What happens when we die? Well, God has a plan, not just for your life, but for where you spend eternity because uh, God made us to be in relationship with him. Christianity is not about religion. It is about relationship with the living God. God made us so that we could enjoy intimacy with him, not for here and now, but for eternity. And God made a way. Uh, the Bible tells us this, that all men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what that means is that we are all born into sin. And that's not just some of us, that is all of us. All men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, have fallen short of God's standard because the Bible tells us that God is holy, 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 and he cannot look upon sin. But as we read the word and we get into Romans 6, it says um, that that sin separates us from God, not only for now, but for eternity, for the penalty of sin is death, or in other words, the wages of sin, what we earn is eternal separation from God. But the good news is this, that God has given us eternal life, and that eternal life is in his son, Jesus. So 2,000 years ago, when Jesus hung on that cross, he did for you, and he did for me, and he did for Landry what we could never do for ourselves, and he bought our salvation. You could never be good enough. You, can get, you can't give enough money to the poor. You can't do enough good deeds. But you can just accept the gift of eternal life. The Bible says this in Romans 10, that if you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God has raised him from the dead, you are saved. That's what it means to give your life to Christ. So if you're sitting out there and you're saying, I really don't know what would happen to me if I walked out these doors and uh, didn't make it home, got in a car wreck, and got killed. The, that question was asked to me by Mike Webster on a flight home from Oakland after a Monday night game in 1981. He said, if this plane was to go down today, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? So here's my question. If you don't know that, would you like to know? Are you living a life where you're tired of living without certainty? Uh, are you living a life that you are tired of living in fear? Are you living a life where you really don't know where you could spend eternity if you don't make it out of here? We used to have an old saying, you are one play away from the rest of your career. Well, here's the reality. We're all one heartbeat away from eternity. So my question is, the, the question that every man, woman, and child has to answer is if you died today, where would you spend 
that eternity. Now I'm going to close with a word of prayer, and uh, and uh, Landry and I are going to come down here on the floor, and we're going to ask our uh, our our ministry heads and our uh, elders and our pastoral staff to come up to the front, uh, and uh, and they're here. They're going to be willing to pray with us after the uh, after the service is over. But just remember this: uh, the Bible tells us this that today is the day of salvation. Today, if God is tugging on your heartstrings, it says, "Do not harden your heart." So if you've been hearing the message of the cross for years, if people have been telling you about Jesus that loves you and died on a cross for you and you've never acted on it, it's one thing, as, as Tom, as Landry said rather, uh, that head knowledge is different than heart knowledge. It is confessing and believing in our heart. And so I'm going to ask everybody to stand, and I'm going to close this uh, in a word of prayer. And if you would like to give your life to Christ, it is very simple. You would just have to repeat after me. And we're going to pray that uh, uh, in, in a second. And I just don't want you all to know that this is, it, it's been so great to interview this young man because he's just got such a heart for God. But if God is tugging on your hearts, let's all bow our heads in prayer. You could just repeat after me in the quietness of your heart. Lord, you are an awesome God. And uh, we are nothing without you. And Lord, I know this, that I am a sinner and there is nothing good in me. And Lord, I know that 2,000 years ago that when you hung on that cross, you paid my sin. You did that because you loved me. And Lord, right now, I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sin, and make me a new creation, Lord. And I will follow you the rest of of my life. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.